Which is basically the only difference between our pre-show and the show is that the show we actually have like an agenda for that we hit. But our conversation style is the same. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's true. Welcome to another episode of Pod Jiba, the Pajiba Television Podcast. I'm Pajiba Comedy Editor Dan Hamamura. With me, as always, are Pajiba Managing Editor Tori Preston. Ooh la la! Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know and, if it's a, an upgrade or a sidestep. <laughs> uh, does it does it come with more money, Dustin? Is that is, should we not talk about that? Is that wrong? That's anyway, uncouth. <laughs> That's uncouth. Sorry. And uh, bigger parking uh, space. Pajabas, Mister Puggle, Dustin Rolls. Did you know? No, that, I'm sure I did. Uh, the name of a baby platypus is a puggle, and doesn't I did not. you love platypuses even more? Like, Platy- oh, it's a puggle. Platypi. Platypuses. That's all. Yeah. I thought a puggle isn't a puggle a, a pug and a beagle. Well, that's a weird combination, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. I don't know. Probably. I know. I thought a, I thought a puggle. Yeah, is like a a sort of sheesh, like a oh, a designer right. a designer dog. My yeah. head's going to like a pig that doesn't get to go to Hogwarts because it's not magic. And also now I just realized pig and Hogwarts. Is that a thing? <laughs> Have I made a thing? Have I created something? Is this anything? Pig, pig, Harry Potter, you know. Harry. Um, porker. Oh, Harry Porker, yeah. I don't know. Seems yeah. like we're making fun of him. Anyway. It's a pug um, and a beagle, but it's also a platypus. <laughs> and it's also a popular name given to a juvenile echidna. What the fuck is that word? A juvenile what? <laughs> A spiny anteater. Oh, okay. Oh. A baby anteater is uh, a puggle. Okay, but you're saying you named yourself after the baby platypus. That's right. Okay. How did you discover the... (laughs) My son is full of useless facts, and he shared that with me tonight. Well, I would hardly call it useless. It's a very useful fact. Yeah. Um, You know what else is a useful fact? Uh, Dustin... Chose violence today on <laughs> pajava.com <laughs> when he uh, took shots at uh, the uh, the classic ABC sitcom Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place by calling it laughable, and also uh, took a took a direct shot at Tori by saying, "Tori, what did he what did he say about?" Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, he he made reference to. Uh, so this was in his Jensen Ackles uh, costume reveal for the boys. Right. And so he made reference to the fact that before he, uh, Jensen Ackles received the patented Rolls bump, right. uh, Ackles was best known for the, and I'm trying to remember exactly, was it a popular, long-running but obscure uh, <laughs> CW <laughs> show that was only uh, watched by people who drink Coke, uh, cherry Coke Zero mixed with red wine, red cheap, wine. Yeah, yeah. Right. cheap wet red wine, which I don't believe I actually specified last week. But we can assume. Well, we can. Well, I mean, it was. Um, yeah, so that was a pretty direct shot across my mm-hmm. bow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then, yeah, the the uncalled for talking right. down to early Ryan Reynolds. Right. Early Ryan Reynolds, four seasons on ABC, uh, one, one half, it was a mid-season, and then three full seasons. That's a lot of television, Dustin. And I think what we're trying to say here, Dustin, is that I think you need to climb off your high horse and remember <laughs> who gave you that horse. Uh-huh. And that would be Dan and I for making you watch Supernatural. Right. And mostly Tori, in all honesty. Right, um, but Dan, you, you gave me the space to make no, Dustin watch Supernatural. Right. That is true. <laughs> Dan, uh, uh, without looking it up, can you name the actor who played the other guy? Richard Rucolo. <laughs> God damn, that's good. Yeah, it's Richard Rucolo, uh, Trailer Howard, Ryan Reynolds. Nathan Fillion was there from season two on. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, oh shoot, I'm blanking on her name, but the woman who Ryan Reynolds is like, will they, won't they, for most of it. Oh, that geeky girl. Uh, yeah, um, I'm oh, gonna forget. Yeah. I, I can't remember her name, but she became main cast, I believe, season two or th- maybe season three. Uh, anyway, um, I'm gonna look at, I, they I were they, they were all great, and also, uh, also, uh, the guy who played uh, I don't remember who, who owned the, the in season one, the guy who owned the pizza place was like a main character, and then they kind of wrote him out because nobody cared. And also, uh, David Ogden Stiers was there oh. in season one as like the weird guy who hung out at the pizza place. Um, I don't remember that. That and, seems like uh, inappropriate. Yeah, and uh, but Jennifer Westfield was on there for thirteen episodes. She was uh, Richard Rucolo's girlfriend in season one. Oh. Um, they also had a guy named Worm who came in season three. Germ. Uh, or Germ. Yes, thank you. Uh, he was recurring. I don't think he was ever full. Uh, but they, one thing that they did, which was very fun, was they would do Halloween episodes like The Simpsons, where it's non-canon, and so often they would die in the Halloween episodes. Um, so that was fun. Um, and you remember the show much better than I do, and I do remember watching it all. Uh, they ended on a uh, internet uh, vote thing, where it's like, who's pre- which character is pregnant? Because they were like, one of the three women on the show is pregnant, and then they never answered it because the show was canceled. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, what was so the actress's name? It was Richard Rucklow's career. Uh, Suzanne Cryer. Suzanne Cryer, that's right. Um, she was very good. Somebody should bring that up to Ryan Reynolds, like, in an interview, ask, like, who would have been pregnant? Mm. He should, I mean, he'd just make it up. I'm sure he, I'm sure he remembers. He's probably got an knows. answer for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would be and like, also, it was me. Do you still hang out with Richard Rucklow? From time to time. That guy just disappeared. Did he? Well, I mean, he's still acting. Well, he did until 2016. But nothing at all significant. Hmm. I don't know. Those are the kind of disappearances that you don't look into. Because, like, it might just be sad. Yeah. Or awkward. Well, he is on Twitter. Oh, oh. is he? Yeah, but so is yes. the guy from Eve 6. But he hasn't <laughs> tweeted. Well, he hasn't tweeted in a long time, so maybe not. Yeah, um, probably just makes bad jokes about his sitcom. Uh, no, there, there are just some stones that are better left unturned, and old <laughs> disappeared sitcom stars. Maybe he made his money, and he's just happy being married and having a family. I don't know if he has a family, but I'm guessing he does. He has a dog and a wife. Okay, well, maybe he's just enjoying life. You don't ha- nobody. You don't have to be on TV forever. You listed the dog before his wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. I mean, um, priorities. Yeah. 
Uh, well, I had a transition, but I forgot it. So, um, Dustin's uh, Dustin's evil. We got it. Dustin's evil. Oh yeah, made fun of on Twitter as uh, uh, a commercial actress, ex Ford model, hustler. What a weird thing to put on your Twitter profile. That's his wife. That's his wife. Yes. Like oh, okay. hustler, as in like. I assume yeah. the inspiration for the movie. No, I think maybe she was in Hustler. Oh. Or maybe she just does. She just works like Hustler, meaning like I, I go. Oh, after oh, what that's I want. possible. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Except, yeah, but she was a model. Yeah, and a hustler, not model in a hustler. Okay, yeah, that makes that makes more sense. Thanks, Dan. You wore my head. Well, uh, Dustin <laughs> is clearly drinking something great. So why don't you tell us what what that is? I am drinking uh, iced coffee, uh, a soda, and uh, seltzer. There's no alcohol tonight. No. It's, it's too hot. It is very hot. It's, it's so too hot. hot for alcohol? Yeah. I Isn't that when it. you're supposed to drink like a mint julep or something? Yeah. Something cool. I'm not a mint julep like person. Like a oh. cherry Coke Zero with some red <laughs> wine on ice. <laughs> is that what you're drinking, Tori? Um, no, I don't have the cherry Coke Zero, so I, no. I'm doing red wine in this with seltzer on ice because it is very very hot (laughs) yeah it is so hot here yes (laughs) um that's funny it it is not hot here it's like Uh it's it was like in the 60s today i mean it'll get hot eventually but you know it was like in the 60s it was kind of overcast you have ac too do you me yeah uh i I do, but it's like the portable kind that is super loud. So oh yeah, it's I only, like a floor only, unit with the long yeah. tube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those. So I only rent it when I have to, um, mm. but I don't have to because it's like sixty-five. Um, mm. And I'm drinking something called California Roots Pinot Grigio. Ooh. Uh, it was free, and it's good. <laughs> How is it free? Mm. It was a gift. Oh, I thought you were gonna be like five finger discount. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that kind of, uh, not that kind of free. Um, I'm terrible with trends. It's going to be one of those nights where all the transitions are bad. So uh, I'm going to commit to it. Um, yeah. Speaking of five, five finger discount makes me think of the five, five finger, the deadly technique. Yeah. All right, there we go. Kung Fu. Dan, let me do this for you. Yes, please. Five finger discount. Gee, that reminds me of the plot of last week's Kung Fu. Oh my God, that's so much better. That's so much better. (laughs) Literally, the plot of the episode is about high end things. (sighs) I mean, I I don't watch the show, so. That's true. How would you know? How would would I know? know? Yes. Uh, Well, Dan, let me tell you. (laughs) Thank you. So, on um, last week's episode of Kung Fu, which was episode eight, it was yes. Althea's uh, bachelorette party. So mm-hmm. she was super nervous because her soon-to-be mother-in-law is, like, kind of a pretentious bee. Like, she means well, but she's mm-hmm. intimidating. Right. Uh, but her, uh, Dennis's, so her fiancé, the mathlete, mm-hmm. his sister was in town from Hong Kong, and so all this stuff starts coming out about why she'd been sent to Hong Kong, and it turns mm-hmm. out that she used to be uh, friends with these uh, couple of rich girls and this dude who were had formed a bling ring. They went around robbing these like rich households. Um, so the two girl, the two other friends had gotten busted, uh, 
but the sister's name hadn't gotten involved, so the mother had sent her off to Hong Kong mm-hmm. to like get her out of trouble. Right. So when they found out that she was back in town for the bachelorette party, they basically blackmail her into helping them rob uh, her own house, like steal mm-hmm. her mom's jewels and everything like that as revenge. Mm-hmm. So Nikki has to break that up, and Henry is along because he showed up with a shirtless cardboard stand-up of <laughs> Mathlete Dennis, which was entirely too attractive and very large. Mm-hmm. They really blew that cardboard standy up. Right. Uh, so, but anyway, so that's like the main plot. But the emotional stuff that's going on is... Uh, her dad left her mom because he was so upset that the mom was had lied mm-hmm. about the background with the, how she's descended from the warrior and there's one every generation and it's clearly Nikki this time around. Right. Um, so he gets all upset because, you know, he finds out everything that she had hidden from him and Nikki this whole time. Mm-hmm. So he goes and stays at a hotel and they go and chase him down and then he has this, like, lovely heart-to-heart with, with Ryan. Mm-hmm. Where Ryan kind of talks about, um, you know, what it's like to keep secrets for so long because he had, it had taken him so long to come out. And then, of course, there's just like the patented, you know, uh, just the father is just the perfect character. He's entirely too good. And he like gets all teary eyed and does the perfect father response and hugs him. And it's very touching. And uh, so I think this. (laughs) And yes, every time he's on screen, my husband just yells, not cool, Dan, um, while, while tearing up. Like, before he has said anything, before Tai Ma has even said anything in an episode, Juan is already, like, like getting misty-eyed just seeing him. And, yes, yeah, so every episode is every other scene, Juan just going, not cool, Dan, you what? tell him I said that. It's weird It's weird that, that Juan would say, not cool, Dan, because I don't know what I have to do what with any Dan of this. Oh, I mean, he's, right. he's clearly talking about a different Dan. Right. That's, not that's every Dan is about you, Dan. That's true. Um, I mean, I'd like, to th- I'd like to think it is, but, but yeah, no, you're right. World's um, full of Dan's. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, yeah, uh, my husband has a, a you know, a beef <laughs> that I'm sure he'll air out at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it looks like they're probably going to patch things up. Nikki has forgiven her mother and in return gotten her mother to agree to give her all of the information she knows about their past. Mm-hmm. So she'll be learning. She got a, an ornate box filled with all of her aunt's secrets. So hopefully Ooh. she'll learn more about her, her legacy. Yeah. Um, and, oh, but I forgot the best oh. part of the episode. So, beginning of the episode, and this was a little bit of a, a jarring jump, uh, but the op- episode basically opens with, um, what's his name? White guy. Boring white guy. Oh, um, Derek. Evan. Evan, not- yeah. No, it's Derek. Travis, um, in the cabin with his shirt off. <laughs> yes. No shirt on. And yes. it was like, it's just too little too late. Like, we've had Henry's shoulders this whole time. You mm-hmm. can't just take you know, Derek's shirt off and then expect us to like view him as a viable interest. Right. But anyway, so he's starting to have problems with his girlfriend, probably mm-hmm. because I think he like abandoned her at the museum party. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't really know, but it sounds like they're kind of on the outs. And then Nikki shows up to talk about her problems with her mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he like cons- puts a shirt on first and like consoles her a bit. And then is like, you got to leave because my fiance is showing up so we can work things out. And she's like, Oh no. And like, you know, she bounces. Mm-hmm. They do not joke about the bed anymore. Um, but then Henry is around again, helping her 
right. uh, through the whole, like, find the sister and, and, and beat up the robbers and everything like that. So right. I'm just like, Nikki, you need to focus on the guy <laughs> who gazes at you with pride every time you punch someone. Right. <laughs> Stop turning to, like, the, the you know, boring guy with your problems. Right. So but she ne- counterpoint. Uh, Evan, without his shirt on, there are a lot of muscles. Yeah, he was fine. <laughs> it was nice be he was fine. <laughs> like, in a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, again, then Henry shows up and you're like... <sighs> right. So, I hear next week is going to be... Is it, well, is it at, next week? As I understand it, there are they're, oh, no, they're going to do reruns for I believe two weeks. So this Jesus. week and next week, and then oh, after that, yeah, and then after that, I, I would also like to note that this particular episode was directed by Dan Liu, so that's probably who Juan was talking about. Oh, that yes. makes sense. Yeah, yes. that, that's, that's I didn't, true. Again, because I don't watch the show, I didn't realize that. Right. So you didn't know. No, it's understandable. Yeah, um, who's no relation to Eddie Liu. Yes. Or to to Dan. Right. Correct. I mean, Not all Dan's are related. Right. No. Although. Unless their last name is Dan. Then there might be something. That's possible, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I believe usually relations are linked by last names sometimes. Sometimes. I don't know. That would be weird if you were related to everybody with the same first name. But it would be a great excuse to start giving kids, like, really weird first names. Because right. then it would be like, you have no relatives. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sun shower moon face. <laughs> you have no family. Right. I don't know why, but that uh, reminded, also reminded me of the fact that for some reason in my freshman year of college, my dorm room floor had, we had five dance. In, in one, like, and it wasn't, like, a giant building. Like, it was, like, a, I mean, I don't know what a normal-sized building is, but there were, like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe, like, 35 or 40 guys, and, like, five of us were named Dan, and it was weird. That's um, a significant portion. Yeah, it was, it was statistically significant, uh, or surprise, I don't know. Anyway. Did they um, all go by Dan, or did some of them go by, like, Danny or Daniel? One went or? by Daniel, but that was okay. it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so it was four Dan's, and, oh, maybe one of them might have gone by his last name, like that kind of thing, but, um, but yeah, five Dan's, it was weird, um, and I am in contact with none of them. So, <laughs> so you're the only left, the only Dan left standing. I mean, I didn't mean that, like, they're gone, like, they're all out there in the world still, but, But yeah. again, some stones are better left unturned. Right. That's right. You don't know what happened. They're all hanging out with Richard Rucolo. <laughs> They're, Maybe it's Richard and his four Dan pool boys. Right. <laughs> or maybe they're watching Manifest along with Dustin. Uh-huh. Because Dustin Manifest is back. Thank, thank. It was. It, it was a real crap episode. I, and I don't mean like in a normally <laughs> crappy Manifest way. I just mean it was oh, like nothing much happened. Okay. It was just like it was. Um, they had a calling, but it was sort of felt like a two-parter, and then the. The calling was to uh, find the tail fin from the beginning of the season and destroy it. And if they were nearing the end of the season, if they do that, then that basically 
turns this season into something of a closed loop, which makes the entire season somewhat pointless, which is par for the course for a manifest. <laughs> so it actually started to get itself back on track or onto some semblance of track this season. Yeah. And they're and it, ending it. <laughs> but it, at least it's, I mean, it makes sense. It just kind of boring. Yeah. Okay. Well, I but mean, also, it... everybody's turning against the eight two eighters like worldwide. It's become this phenomenon. It just like came out of left field. It's like all of a sudden, the FBI is after the eight two eighters. An eight two eight passenger in uh, Singapore was executed. Oof. Hmm. And uh, Michaela has basically lost her job because she's an eight two eighter. So like the whole world is turned against them for just because they're scared. I, it's unclear. Mm-hmm. So is it since you since you mentioned a moment ago that it's making more sense, but that's not necessarily making it work better? Like, did you, if you had to compare the two, like, was there a? Do you prefer the more chaotic version, or well, do you like this version more? Even if it's even if they have moments like this where where it's not as uh, um, things don't move as as much. I think story-wise, it makes more sense now, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make it a better show. So it was more interesting when it was all over the place. Okay. Which, I mean, they would hate for me to hear me say that because I, you know, <laughs> complained for two seasons that it was all over the place. Right. And now there's some consistency in the story, and it's just like, I mean, what the all over the place was the only thing that made it interesting. Mm-hmm. What do you even want, I know. Dustin? Yeah, I know. Come on, I know. Dustin, make up your mind. <laughs> I mean, is the real problem just that the the crackheads are gone? Oh, that or the meth heads or whatever. Big... They're gone, but at least Paige Jennings from the Americans is there, and she's just a just a, a nuts person. She's single white femaleing everybody. She thinks that well, she set uh, the bedroom on fire and nearly killed the baby in oh order to prove something. I know. Huh. She was like, something will happen to save this baby because I'm an angel or something. No, because this baby is my guardian angel. Oh, she's getting a... That sounds mm-hmm. like something mm-hmm. Malady would have done on the Nevers. Yes. Oh, my God. I completely forgot about the Nevers. <laughs> Already. <laughs> I, it, it literally <laughs> left my brain. It was until, like three weeks ago. I know, but like for whatever... Like, I, I mean, I, I watched it all, obviously. And yeah. Still... Since then, I have not thought about it once. That's the first time. I have a question. What's on HBO Max on Sundays now? Mayor and Nevers are gone. Hmm. I don't. I don't see anything on Sundays anymore. Um, I don't know. What is their new show? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I should know. Well, Me I'm too. no longer the TV editor. So. Hmm. You know. Okay. You know what? What is about to come back to HBO? Uh, at what? eleven o'clock, it's my uh, the show that I caught up on this week, um, Betty. Oh, well. uh, Betty. So just just real quick to rewind because that was my attempt segue. at a segue. Um, smash cut at my smash cut. Yes. Uh, the I, I wanted to ask everyone what shows you caught up on because it's been. I mean, we have other stuff to talk about, but it's been kind of a slower week this week because I feel like. Uh, Loki hasn't started yet. It starts. Uh, it'll release on Wednesday when this episode releases. 
Um, and so it was, it was a little bit of a, of a, there's less to watch. Um, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to watch. Yeah. But it it was a little bit of a calm before the storm. Um, and so for me, I personally, uh, went back and watched all of Betty season one, um, except I watched the pilot earlier and thought, Oh, it's great. And then never watched again. (laughs) And, um, I watched the rest of it and felt like, well, why did I not watch this when it was on? Because it's it's a it's a great vibe and it's a great it's it's like a cool hang because it's about uh, young like skater female skaters in New York City and there isn't a ton of plot like it's mostly just you're just hanging out with them as they go through their days and it's kind of like you know like it's low stakes I mean it's it's high stakes for them but it's low stakes stuff where like you know they need a little bit of money or like one of them owes the drug dealer, but the drug dealer is like a super nice guy. So it's not, she's not actually in danger. Um, or, um, or like, you know, their, their big goal for the season is they want to have like an all girl skate session and they're trying to like make that happen. Um, and then in between that, it's just like, you get these gorgeous shots of New York or of them skating, whether it's at a skate park or through the city, um, set to like really cool music that I have no idea of between the score or like you know the the uh soundtrack what what the songs are but it just it just has a cool vibe and it made me miss the city um and and but but they're coming back for season two this friday so they have that Mm -hmm. friday at 11 uh, slot where it's like hbo kind of like lets weird shows do whatever they want (laughs) (laughs) um so like that's the slot that like animals had flood of the concords had that slot um Uh, White Snack had that slot, um, so so yeah. So I hope that they're they're just allowed to do what they do and left alone. Um, and I know both of you had shows to to talk about too. So I wanted to ask you, uh, Tori, what was your uh, catch well, up? My show, I think, might have that slot coming in July. Oh, okay. Because um, that's when season two comes back. But I, for some reason, completely randomly in the past week. Uh, caught up on the whole first season of Losa Spookies. Oh, yeah, that is a Friday 11 show, yeah. I think. I think. I mean, I don't know. It, it is perfect for that slot. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I can't imagine HBO would put it at any other time. Right. Um, but, yeah, the first season debuted in 2019, and they were in the process of shooting it right the second season um, when, you know, pandemic hit so that that has been slightly delayed but the second season will be launching um later in july mm-hmm. so but it is the show that's um it's julio torres and uh fred armison and anna fabrega um kind of co-created it together and it is a mostly spanish language show um but with subtitles <laughs> and it is but then parts of it are in, are in english because like uh, Fred Armisen's character plays a, a a parking lot attendant or like a car parker okay. <laughs> in in Los Angeles, but most of the show takes place in some sort of like unspecified um, Latin American country. Mm-hmm. But they can still get to LA, but they're not saying it's Mexico. Okay. Like it's <laughs> it's very. Um, but yeah, the, all the other main characters are they they're a bunch of weirdos who want to try and start a business where they make not tell it's like they, they make horror stunts on demand. 
so if somebody needs to pretend they've found an alien, the Los Spookies crew will will make that happen or pretend that there is a haunted house and oh, okay. Okay. they will staff it or, yeah. you know, so they, um, and so it's like, it's a very specific, weird skill set. Right. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, I mean, if you've ever seen any Julio Torres comedy, it is that sort of aesthetic, but mm-hmm. with an actual linear plot. Right. Um, it's great. It's absolutely wonderful. That sounds like a show that I, if I were to watch it, I would be like, why didn't I watch this when it, when this aired? Well, and that's the thing. It's like I always knew I was going to love it, and mm-hmm. I didn't watch it for no real reason other than I kind of always wanted it in my back pocket for like a, when I'm sick of everything, right. I'll finally bust that out and watch it, and it will just make me happy. And that was what happened this last week. And oh. completely... You know, so it served its my, purpose. It served its purpose. Oh, Sometimes it's got like a weird telenovela, like kind of drama to it, and it's you know, it takes a little while to like get the rhythm of it, but once you have it, it is brilliant. It mm-hmm. is hysterically funny. Cool. Dustin uh, would probably hate it. It's weird. Yes, it doesn't <laughs> sound like the sort of thing that I would, would like. Well, Dustin, <laughs> Dustin, I'm sure has his own his own. Uh, Let's hear. Let's Far hear. Far more what... straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> what was your What was your catch up, Dustin? Uh, because I, I I don't know that I'd even heard of it. Uh, even it's on Apple TV Plus, uh, and the second season starts on Friday, and it's called Home Before Dark, and I somehow missed it when it debuted. It's uh sort of a it's a small town nine year old girl in a small town whose dad is journalist who got fired and now she's like an aspiring journalist who tries to solve a cold case and um it's got uh Jolie carter and also abby miller both from justified mm-hmm. um and jim sturgis plays the dad mm-hmm. and it's 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 not dark like mayor of easttown but it's not it's i would say family friendly for older kids but not like Super family, family friendly. It's like you know, dark enough to be interesting. Right, because she's still but, solving a crime, a murder. Oh, yes. okay, okay. But she's nine. Yeah. She is nine. Okay, and that's a little weird. But it's it's kind of a darkish Nancy Drew, but not the CW kind mm-hmm. of Nancy Drew. <laughs> and I've heard that this is. I, I think this is based on a. Uh, there was an actual like. Oh yeah. Girl who kind of does it. I don't. I don't know if it was a murder case, but like who actually did this, right? Yeah. Right. It says that at the beginning of every episode, but I, I thought it might be like a Fargo thing. I don't know. Mm. Like, really? Nine-year-old journalist? <laughs> I do remember hearing, like, reading an article about it, maybe. I mean, about, I mean about the original uh, real-life girl. Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to watch one episode to see, you know, what it was about in case I was interested in the second season and ended up watching, like, seven episodes in a row. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's solid, Jeff. And that's another one where the second season is about to start, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's funny because we've we've all we all chose whether it was on purpose or not. We all chose shows that are about to return, and we're kind of like, <laughs> well, we should probably see what this is about before that happens. We gotta get it. We gotta get it in before Loki starts because right. that's all we're gonna be talking about for like what six weeks. Right. Eight we're weeks. definitely just gonna be talking about Loki for a bit. Um, <laughs> Really? Yeah. And we're going to do that all the time. Loki is, it, they had that, 
that reference to your favorite golf movie, Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> it, that, that's not a joke. That's an actual thing. That no, it was, uh, it was a joke. Did you not read the whole Twitter thread? No, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, no. Uh, somebody, Ben Meckler on Twitter, um, made a joke about uh, how one of the places that uh, Loki time hops to in his, you know, adventures with the TVA is the uh, 2002 rap party <laughs> for, Hole, for the Shia LaBeouf movie Holes. Right. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. It was a joke. I which to which one of the three of us have seen? Yes. And the, but the other two realized it was a joke. Right. It's <laughs> 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 a really good movie, guys. I don't, I just, you know, I'm pretty sure it was, I think Tin Cup is the only good golf movie. Oh, Tin Cup is really good. There's no. <laughs> well, Happy Gilmore, also very good. Yeah, Underrated golf movie. Underrated yeah. golf movie. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um. And it yeah. also has Christopher McDonald, who's in Hacks, which we're not talking about this week. Which but. we're not talking about this uh, week. The funny thing about Tin Cup is that great joke uh, about the doctor, uh, the riddle. If you tell that riddle to uh, a kid now, they're like, why didn't you understand that? You're an idiot. What was the riddle? Yeah, what is um, it? I don't remember. Uh, how did it go? Um, a dad and his... A dad and his son get in a car accident, and they each get uh, sent oh. to different hospitals, yeah, yeah. and uh, the boy is operated on by his parent. How is that possible? Right. It's the mom. Yeah. Yes. But at the time, when the movie came out, I don't know. <laughs> right. No, I, no, I do it. remember when that riddle was a mind blower, this, where you're yes. like, oh my God, the doctor's wow. a woman. <laughs> Women can... Practice medicine? Well, yeah, but in the nineties, her being a surgeon, I think I think yeah. the key is that is it he said I can't operate on him, he's my son. The, oh yeah, that's because right. Because it's like I think that was the extra layer of like for some reason we just assume surgeons are all men. Um or maybe it's yeah. just a doctor thing. Anyway, we sexism in the nineties, super fun. That's right. Um speaking of <laughs> sexism in the seventies. <laughs> Time for uh, Mythic Quest. Uh, as oh. as they did last season, um, they uh, the sixth episode of the season was a semi one off. Uh, a little bit different this time because it was about a character we know. But um, this time we, we didn't were... know it was about a character we. Oh, I didn't realize. Well, we knew was... we knew pretty quickly. You right? didn't. How, how long I did didn't, it take? Because I had forgotten. No, I didn't know until the end because I'd completely forgotten his name. Oh, I knew from oh. when he first opened his mouth because I'm like, yeah. oh, he's speaking. Oh, he's speaking well, like totally this clearly young CW. Um, he the who's the actor? What is his name? Uh, Big Head. Big Head. <laughs> I know, which is not his name. <laughs> Josh Brenner, I believe is his Josh name. Josh Brenner. Oh my gosh, he was uncanny. It was so good at so nailing good. the F. Murray Abraham because it was like it wasn't just his manner of speaking; it was like the way his eyes crinkled mm-hmm. at certain moments, like. I, I never thought that F. Murray Abraham would be easily, you know, that I never I thought of someone doing an F. Murray Abraham impersonation. <laughs> right. But Josh Brenner nailed it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely wonderful. I should have picked up on that much earlier than I did. Um, it's okay. We're not shaming you. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird hearing him call Carl. Right. 
uh, yeah, because I, I mean, it was, yeah, to me it was clear that, that he was um, playing young F. Marie Abraham, but also I was like, oh, Carl, that's his name, because he didn't, because obviously we've never, I don't think we've heard that. Um, there were also some costuming choices. Like, he was largely dressed in brown, which, mm-hmm. and like kind of turtlenecks and stuff. It was stuff that his character as we've seen him in the present, pretty much also kind of wears, like he's right. stuck in the past. <laughs> right. Um, the, uh, yeah, but it was, so this was their flashback episode, or their flashback heavy episode. Uh, we got the uh, tragic backstory of C.W. Longbottom. Um, and it's, it's interesting, because it didn't, it, it didn't impact the scene the same way as, uh, a Dark Quiet Death from season one. Um, but I don't know. It was, it was still really well done and like emotional and you feel bad for him. <laughs> this guy who yeah. like, who you only know up to this point as mostly kind of like the, uh, you know, sexist crank who is mostly harmless. Um, yeah. Like harmless, but sort of pathetic i mean it shades in stuff that you maybe kind of already knew like Mm -hmm. he you know he's a bit of a fraud Mm -hmm. but it also gave him this one and this was to me was kind of the tragedy of it like and it it, it speaks to the kind of spectrum of not spectrum originals uh (laughs) the the spectrum of creatives Mm -hmm. where you may not be good at the thing that you want to do right but it doesn't mean that you're not imaginative or a visionary in another way. Right. And so you have this guy who, like, desperately wants to be Isaac Asimov or, like, mm-hmm. wants to be this, you know, imagine worlds and, and write epic novels. And he's just not a great writer. <laughs> right. But it doesn't mean that his mind isn't able to come up with anything because the the kind of big aha moment in the past Mm -hmm. is that he the first time he sees in a window display you know the a very early video game was it pong right yeah it was pong um and he he bursts into the office of amazing stories i think uh where he was a copy editor Mm -hmm. and he's just he starts he's raving right about the, how that is going to change the nature of storytelling. And right. eventually you'll have writers who are creating these uh, actual visual, actual worlds right. where, re, where players, where, where the reader is able to make the choices that form the story. I mean, he, he, his character envisioned exactly what the future of video games, the potential of video games was. Right. Um, and... But he couldn't write a book to save his life. <laughs> right. <laughs> or even a you short know. story, apparently. Or even a short story. And right. so, you know, you find out that the Nebula Award that he's always waving around um, was for work that he basically stole. Right. Because uh, Isaac Asimov gave him... He, he His one kind of, like, victory was when, at, at his low point, he's so broken and defeated that and has nothing left to lose that he kind of like forces his manuscript upon Isaac Asimov who who sends it back with edits but the edits are he's written rewritten it word for word yeah he's um, redlined the entire yeah. manuscript <laughs> yeah um but uh but CW takes it and then becomes CW Longbottom um and yeah it, it's 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 really because that that moment of 
uh, inspiration, not just because it was video game related, but it struck me as kind of, uh, it reminded me a little bit of Halt and Catch Fire in a way that made uh-huh. me really enjoy it. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is like the tragedy of seeing the future that, you know, you're not, you're, you're, you're not entirely like you're, you're so far ahead of the curve that you're going to fail because you right. can't, because the world's not ready for this. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's good. But so the moment of, so, you know, this is him in the past and he, so he fakes his way, um, into success, which right. is fleeting because he does not have the talent to back it up. Right. Um, and it's about the friendships that he kind of loses along the way, but then it, it, and so you kind of see this, his character, like the, the, the ambitions and how they were thwarted and, and some of the things that made him into who we know now. And then it kind of fast forwards to, um, not exactly the present, but the, the recent past. Right. And he is, and it's when Ian and Poppy recruit him, mm-hmm. how they meet him. And it's, you know, Ian being a fan of his novels and basically through no effort of CWs, he just shows up and offers him the opportunity to write a video game. Right. Cause he was, well, he was selling chicken at like a Renaissance a fair. fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rotisserie chickens at a Ren fair. Yeah. Um, so he gives him a second chance. And so it, but it is, but now you know, why he takes the job so seriously. Right. And, and it, there is this kind of like beautiful, you know, it may have taken 50 years or 40 years or whatever, but you know, the one thing he was right about came true. Right. Uh, I would like to point out a couple of neat notes about this. <laughs> <laughs> This episode was also written was written by uh, uh, Rob's sister Katie McElhaney, who also wrote last year's standalone episode. Wait, right. was it? But, yes, and she co-wrote it with Craig Mazin. Oh, okay. Who was in Mason. it? The guy, Mason, yeah. who was in it as a different character than he usually plays. Right. Right. <laughs> it took and me a minute. I was like, why does he look so familiar? <laughs> oh, I knew also instantly that it was Craig Mason. <laughs> yeah. But he's the guy that wrote Chernobyl, in case yeah. people don't. Yeah, and that. many of the, uh, he, uh, what was those movies? Um, the Hangovers. Well, he wrote some of The Hangovers, and he wrote maybe the third one? I don't know. And uh, anyway, he's he's had a long career. Uh, what are those movies? Scary movies. Scary, scary oh, movies. Yeah. Scary's yes. movie. And he was also Ted Cruz's uh, college roommate. Yes. Right. Not a, not, they did not get along. And Maybe he not. also writes and has a bit part on Mythic Quest. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, in, in season, I don't think we've seen him this season, but in season one he played uh, one of the, he played the tester who, who kind of came in and was being annoying to, uh, to uh, what's her name, um, halfway through tester. the season. Yeah. <laughs> I just always think of the way Ian calls her, just tester. I was going to try to remember her name, but yes, tester. Um. Yeah, he's like the sexist one. But yeah, in this episode, he plays the editor Mm -hmm. of the magazine that all copywriters work for. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Rob actually directed the episode. Yeah. I believe, yeah. Um, And um, one other other random thing that uh, I I enjoyed was the the two... um, So uh, CW, or Carl in the past, has his two... (laughs) 
it's kind of like two friends um, who are played by uh, Michael Cassie and Shelley Hennig. Uh, Michael Cassie was uh, in People of Earth, which I loved. Um, uh, and they were both really good. I, I really enjoyed both their performances. Uh, Shelley Hennig, I don't know from other stuff, but she's been in other mm, stuff. Either, yes. um, like she was in Teen Wolf, which I never watched, but she was in it for like a lot of the run. So, um, but uh, but the thing that the one thing about her character which I really uh, I liked as like a subtle thing was when she introduced herself at the beginning, she calls herself A. E. Goldsmith, um, and then at the end after she's like been published and has some amount of like she's been she of the three of them she's clearly the best writer she's you know positioned as the clearly the best writer and she gets published in the magazine and everything um but when she catches up with uh with CW at his when he's winning his nebula um she says it, sorry it was Anne I think she says it's just mm-hmm. Anne now um yeah. but it was like a tiny reminder that like oh yeah women writers did that or female writers did that back in the day because like no one would read a woman's work uh or let them be a surgeon right or let them be a surgeon um until until she she was popular enough and successful enough that she could use her own name Um, but it also seemed like it even though that was the reason she would use her initials Mm -hmm. he was copying her when right 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 he's he's switched over to to, uh, because she's the successful one. Right, because, yeah, sh- she becomes the one he aspires to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was a, it was a good episode. Um, we haven't talked about the show since, in a few weeks at least, but, um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm curious what, this episode means for the rest of the season because uh, CW has been relatively absent because uh, Rob McElhaney said he was not going to kill F. Murray Abraham by <laughs> constantly bringing him to work while they filmed during COVID, so, uh, which is great and understandable. But, um, which also makes it an elegant solution to have an entire episode about his character that still doesn't have F. Murray Abraham. Right, right, except for that one shot. At the yeah. uh, at the Ren Fair, um, right? But uh, but it does. I, I'm curious because because we left off uh, last week with such a dark uh, uh, moment between uh, Ian and Poppy, yes, um, yeah, uh, which was uh, brutal to watch, especially <laughs> since since these two are so, you know. The I think you root for them to be a team because they're they're because they are good together. Um, yeah. But I don't know. In any event, it was still a good episode on its own. Um, but you know, the a dark quiet death did end up coming into play a little bit by the end of season one, just in terms of like. Um, yeah, just it, it it served a tiny note in the finale, um, so I don't know maybe maybe this doesn't come into come back and it's just a nice backstory episode. But um, I'm also trying to figure out how many episodes they have left. Three, four, three, four, right? Because it should be ten four, four, episodes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I'm still enjoying the show. 
and they're getting my money, and then Ted Lasso will come back in July. <laughs> so it's just all perfectly timed. Yeah, they're they're getting better at timing out their shows. So <laughs> also, Lizzie's we we we're not going to talk about Lizzie's story, I guess, but that's on there as well. Yeah. Oh, is that Apple TV? Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> It is Apple TV. I still maybe we can talk about it when I when we've seen more of it. Mm-hmm. I've still only seen the first two episodes. Same. Okay. Um, well, that's all that's aired so far, too. Is it? Oh, I I don't know why I took it for granted that maybe all of it was just dumped. No, no. So I'm caught up. Oh yeah, you can't. You know, that, your husband is right. You just can't watch that. You can't binge the show. No, it's so it's intense. It's driving me mad. It, but like, also, okay. So let's talk about, can we just talk about it real fast? Yeah, sure. You don't have to yes. say anything about it, but I feel like for the first two episodes, it, they're, it's very intense and you, you kind of walk away thinking a bunch has happened, but if you think back on any of the events, nothing has happened. I mean, at the very end of the second episode, there's kind of like a creepy stalker guy who shows up and like microwaves a bird. <laughs> But other than that, like, nothing has happened. The Wait, only he real did microwave a bird. That's a pretty big deal. Well, it is, but over two entire episodes. <laughs> sure, yes. So the only reason it feels like it's been intense from the get-go is because there's this, like, really crazy, over-the-top musical score that's all, like, jangling violins. And, like, just it, it's the, the, the music that's supposed to indicate that something very weird and bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Except that it plays through eighty percent of every scene. Hmm. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't read the book, but <laughs> this the show doesn't feel very Stephen Kingy. It feels more Shining than like the Shining the movie than Stephen King. Hmm. But it's weird because like, Steve... he he wrote every episode. Right. He did. Yeah, he yeah, adapted he, the whole thing, his, right? Yeah, this is his adaptation. Mm-hmm. Oh. They brought in a director, weird. but yeah, he wrote every single episode. Because this is his huh. favorite book of his. Hmm. Oh, well, I'm curious to find out why. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the th- I, whatever, the first two episodes were good. They were good. I don't know where it's going, and I don't know how long I can stand it, but it, they were good. Yeah, but you definitely cannot watch. I, I couldn't, and my husband requested that we didn't watch more than one episode of Sitting. <laughs> Huh, because Stephen King is so, I don't know, he's such a, I don't know how to explain it, but he's just, when he writes, I mean, even if, it, whether it's good or bad, it just feels very, very instantly relatable in, in some way. And this, and like, you connect to it, whether it's good or bad, again. Hmm. But this, I, you know, it, it doesn't feel like that at all to me. Well, but I think it's also, it's relatable for him. So the reason why it's his favorite book of all the ones that he's written is because I think, so apparently he came up with the idea after he'd been hit by that van oh. and he uh-huh. tried, he tried to imagine like, if I died, what would my wife do? Oh. So huh. I think it's, it's not necessarily, yeah, it's not really relatable to everyone, but it's literally comes from a place of him putting himself in his wife's shoes. Hmm. Well, maybe relatable. He's accessible, just really accessible, and this is not a really accessible show. I would say. Not yet. Yeah, I don't know. It's there's a lot of question marks. There's like it another dimension and some water and maybe a monster and like a... artistic. And hmm. he's not like an artistic guy. 
Not, you know what I'm saying? Like, it feels very Ari Aster to me. Just like this weird uh, off kilter. It's more stuff. atmospheric than. Yes. Yeah. That's maybe that's what. Yeah, atmospheric. That's the word. <laughs> you hate it. I don't hate it. I just. <laughs> I really don't. It, it was very unnerving. I just. It doesn't feel like Stephen King to me. Hmm. I have a feeling by the time we get to the finale, it will be 100%. I haven't read the book, Probably. but it's definitely going to end up with one of those finales where you're like... I'm sure. All that for this. <laughs> yes. But I have a feeling I'm going to enjoy the ride, regardless. And Julianne Moore is wonderful in it. Well, yeah, and the, um, I mean, the scavenger hunt feels very Stephen King, but... Yeah. Just the... Oh, this is the else. one that's uh, Julianne Moore and uh, Clive Owen? Clive Owen, yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, Okay. Dan, actually, I've seen it. No, I haven't, but I, I have seen promos for it because I watch things on Apple TV. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like Mythic Quest. <laughs> like other shows. Yeah. Um, huh. Well, I don't know if I'm sold, but also I'm not the biggest Stephen King guy, so it's fine. Um, yeah. You should just watch Los Spookies. I do want to watch Los Spookies. <laughs> Um, that might be, I mean, it might be one of the, it might, I might give it the Betty treatment where I just binge it right before the next season. Yes. Um, but that seems like it'd be fun. Um, yeah. uh, I don't know if there's a transition there. I was trying to find one, but it was going to be about like, first you can't, um, uh, it was going to be about the, the, the bingeable, <laughs> Nature, <laughs> but any, anyway, uh, I think awkward silence is like the transition. Oh, there we go. Speaking like, of yeah. speaking of shows that you can binge, uh, <laughs> and people seem to like uh, Sweet Tooth on Netflix, which I've only seen the first episode, so I don't know beyond that. I've only seen one episode too, okay. but all I want to do is like watch it now. Yeah, I don't feel the same way. Not because I disliked <laughs> it. Oh. Um, I watched the first episode, and it is wonderful. I don't think I'm emotionally capable of watching the show. Mm. I just, it fills me with too many emotions. <laughs> it's like Bambi. It's like, it, I feel like the whole show is just going to be Bambi. Right. And that almost, I'm like. It's talking I, Bambi. It's just, it's talking Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't feel emotionally mature enough to handle it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the tone reminds me weirdly of uh, that uh, the Where the Wild Things Are movie. Yeah. Which I love. Oh, yeah, okay. I nobody really saw it, but it was I loved it. I saw it. It really is like a, a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, very whimsical, but a little dark. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's still post-apocalyptic. There's a disease. Yeah. There's a lot right. of question, but like, it, yeah, it's, it's so whimsical and just yeah. heartwarming and touching and... So sad about Will Forte already now. I know. So just know. just to set up, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's a uh, the new Netflix show. I believe it's eight episodes, uh, hour long episodes. It is. Uh, it's based on a graphic novel um, series, yeah, uh, or graphic novel series uh, or comic series. Yeah, you get it. Yeah, um, it's based on a comic, like everything else is. Um, <laughs> and it is the main character is a uh, young. Half deer, half human hybrid, uh, named uh, Gus, Gus, 
uh, and he's a 10-year-old boy. Um, the, the, the short, the quickest version of the setup is there's a disease and a pandemic, which, cool, but, like, you know, civilization <laughs> falls apart. That was actually the thing that I was like, do I really want to watch this? But it, yeah. it, they get past it pretty quickly. So um, it is a... Um, but anyway, and it becomes a... Uh, at the same time as this devastating pandemic that kind of destroys society, uh, there's also these kids start being born who are hybrids between animals and humans. And um, people naturally are afraid of them and freak out. And so um, one father takes his son, uh, the uh, who is Gus, who is called Sweet Tooth, um, and... Um, or will be called Sweet Tooth uh, by by the end of the first episode, um, and uh, takes him off to live in the in the woods by themselves, isolated to try to protect him. Hannah's her. H- Hannah's him. Yeah. Basically, yeah. it's the beginning of Hannah. Yeah. Uh, totally off. Grid. And uh, except without the murder murderous uh, right. skills. Um, but uh, and and you know so so they live out there and they kind of establish that. Um, his dad is played by Will Forte in his uh, second role in a uh, post-apocalypse. But, <laughs> but it, it's, it's funny because it's such a good reminder. The fact that it's Will Forte in another post-apocalypse thing is kind of a, a reminder of like how good Will Forte is. Yes, <laughs> because yeah. it doesn't, like, you see him, and I think, at least for me, in the, like, the first few seconds of my brain, I'm like, oh, last man on Earth. And then I'm like, oh, no, this is a completely different character, even though... He still looks and sounds like Will Forte, um, and uh, and then after that, I never thought about it again. So I was like, "Oh yeah, he's good. Remember that he's a good actor." Um, but yeah, he. But yeah, he's very good. He is very good, uh, and so a lot of this first episode is just the two of them and him kind of raising his son, uh, and uh, as as you might expect, given the Bambi references we've made. Uh, <laughs> He eventually comes to harm and, and dies, leaving uh, Gus alone. And then uh, Gus is befriended by uh, someone who he just calls Big Man, but his, uh, his character's name is Tommy Jeppard. Um, and it seems like they're going to go on the road together. So it'll be... Uh, In search of uh, Gus's mother. Right, although or... she's dead, right? Yeah, so she's dead, but I don't know that he knows it. But there's right. also the promise of there being sort of a like a safe haven for hybrids, right, right, out there. Um, but at this point, we also don't know. We know that the stories that the father told of the outside world, right, um, were not truthful, right, fully, because right. he was trying to scare um, Gus to keep him like in the woods, right, like. Um, so we don't actually know what now that he's he's left the encampment. We don't really know what he's going to encounter. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the first revelations that uh, Big Man tells him it's because because Gus keeps going, "I'm the last one of my kind," and, mm-hmm. and Big Man's like, "No, you're not." Right, right. <laughs> but we don't know what happened to those other hybrid kids. And right. the other part of the mystery is that nobody can tell if some people are afraid that the birth of the hybrid kids is why the disease started mm-hmm. but it could also be the reverse the disease is what somehow caused these births right. nobody really knows but there's some sort of connection so that'll probably be right unpacked yeah um it's good you guys loved it 
I yes. was I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it. Um, in part because I was just because I again it was the the uh, the post apocalypse and pandemic of it all at the, the start that made me think like I don't I'm not going to want to watch this. But um, but yeah, the I was impressed by the performances and and not just uh, Will Forte, but uh, uh, wait, what's the actor's name? I wrote it down. Uh, Christian. Convery, Convery, uh, who plays Gus, and like for a show like this where it's gonna hinge on the kid, <laughs> he's really good. Um, so, uh, so that was, um, you know, that that's a good sign, I think, um, for the rest of the season. Um, also, I didn't, I didn't know this going into it, but uh, the show was developed by Jim Mickle, who created a show or co-created a show called Happen Leonard a few years ago on Sundance Channel. Uh, which nobody oh. saw, but like it was really good, and like it was the one with uh, Michael K. Williams, yeah, right? Yeah, and it was it was a good show, very weird, and like but had kind of like a strong tone and like sense of place, and um, and so so like that that kind of like helped me feel like oh this is I think this will be cool, and um, the other uh, the other showrunner brought in was uh, a writer named Beth Schwartz who has been in. Um, like the CW uh, DC universe for a long time. So oh. you have another, you know, high le- upper level writer who knows how to handle fantasy and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so, so between the two, like once I saw their names, I was like, oh, okay, I can't, I'm, I feel like I'm in good hands in a yeah. way that I didn't, not that I didn't feel like it watching the show, but just that I didn't realize uh, when I, when I started the, the, the first episode. Also, the comics have been running for years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this doesn't necessarily have to be like a one-and-done season if it does well. It also seems like it... I I don't know where the season is going, and I'm not familiar with the source material, but mm-hmm. based on the first episode, it seems, yeah, kind of older kid-friendly. Right. Because even there, yeah. there is some violence, but it's not gory um, right. or anything like that. So it feels like it's it's definitely good for, like... Like a teen or preteen, you could watch it for sure. Right. Um, and they'd kind of, you know, I'm sure they'd identify with the, the 10-year-old kid. Yeah. Yeah, even throughout the sadder moments, uh, Gus acts reacts more with confusion and, like, uh, concern to everything. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I feel like a big trigger is when a character is, is visibly upset mm-hmm. or like crying or something. Then it's like, you know, something bad has happened. Right. And his character is, is sort of, it's not like he, he's not upset at the things that happen, but there's a, right. But he's not like crying, like right. Crying he's never really out. crying. It's yeah. much more of a, a, a confusion, mm-hmm. um, which I think would help. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be capable of watching more of it. I'm super I, curious. I, I'm honestly part of what really excites me is the um, the lone wolf and cub vibes I'm getting from the at the end of the pilot, and I'm like, oh, are they just going on adventures? And it's just like this gruff, you know, guy who 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 we met we saw briefly in the at like the beginning of the episode as like was a football player. So it's like this guy who was like a former athlete and now he's, you know, in this world he's become kind of like a, I don't know if it's a bounty hunter or exactly or whatever or a hunter, but um, 
But, like, just having that, like, you know, strong uh, presence, you know, doesn't want to have this kid tagging along, but obviously will protect him. Um, and yeah. then and then the kid who, you know, is seeing the world for the first time. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of fun about, there. There's, but there's also something about Big Man's uh, motivations that are unclear right now. Right. Because when he shows up, he, like, saves... Um, Gus from poachers Mm -hmm. but he also clearly had like hunted this kid down right and it seems like he was prepared to take him away right and then when he finds out that Gus can talk Mm -hmm. he changes his mind and starts being like you need to stay here and avoid attention right like you will not survive out there like I don't like I'll do a lot of things, but I I'm not even I can't bring myself to do this. Right. So we we aren't entirely clear on what his atten- intentions were and whether he will abandon them now that this kid has followed him out into the world. Right. Right. So. He tried to do the right thing, but we mm-hmm. don't really know what the wrong thing was. <laughs> right. Um, there's also one other one other tiny thing that I wanted to mention, just because only because it's. It's one of those uh, storytelling devices that I kind of love. Um, anytime you do it, was maple uh, syrup. Maple syrup, obviously. <laughs> uh, but the uh, the way that uh, it wasn't Vermont maple syrup, though, Tori. No, it think. was like fucking Montana. Yeah, because they were at, they were in Yellowstone, <laughs> right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know that's that's they 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 you know it's okay. I mean, not, not no shows can't perfect. be choosers, right? Yeah. Uh, but they they did this little thing where because they show uh, Gus as he's growing up, um, and they did this little thing where they show him have, he has to run across these uh, this little river and like he has to hop across these uh, these rocks, and you see his progress over the episode where at the beginning he's too small and he'll like fall in the water, uh, but then um, you know when uh, at, at a certain point he's big enough and like. Uh, accomplished enough and you know strong enough that he can actually jump across without falling in and then and then the last time you see him run across it he's like running full speed and it's like graceful um yeah and it's just a cool i like those kind of little moments where it's like oh yeah you can see you're showing his progression and his growth uh in something that that is relatively meaningless but we understand even if we don't uh, clock it consciously, we understand, like, oh, we're seeing him grow up and become stronger and all that. Um, yeah. It was really pretty. It was it's, very pretty, also. It was just, yeah. It's really well shot. Like, mm. it's just a pleasant show to watch. Yeah. And uh, and James Brolin narrating, so that also... Oh, it was? Yeah. Oh, it was I Thanos? didn't catch that. Uh, Thanos, no, not, not, that's Josh Brolin, right? Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yes. Josh is Thanos. Josh is Thanos. Okay. James is his dad. Right? Get this right? Okay. Anyway, but, you know, his voice is very authoritative and calming, and so it's like, oh, yes. Well, it's Thanos' dad's voice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thanos' dad telling us where the story begins. Um, which is here at the thing that you're watching. Um, that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, uh, what well, sweet tooth. Well, Dustin, what, yeah, what, 
you've been kind of quiet, but like what grabbed you oh, sorry, yeah. before before we wrap up? I think just the tone and the whimsy and the uh, of Monsters of Men song always. That's the sort of music that just. Like, oh, uh, that's who that was. I was like, yeah. I know this is. I know this band, but I know it's not uh, Mumford and Sons, but. <laughs> Oh, but yeah. it's like yeah. it's like adjacent. It's like in the same yeah. genre. Mm-hmm. Fair. Same ballpark, yeah. Mumford and Sons, they're busy doing the Ted Lasso music, so. That's right. Or which oh. one? Marcus Mumford? Is that his name? Uh-huh. Yeah, he wrote the theme and a bunch of Mark Mumford and Sons stuff shows up there. So. Oh, does that mean I like them? <laughs> oh yes. no, does that oh. mean you like Mumford and Sons? Yes. Oh gosh, I'm going to have it's to reevaluate okay. okay. sometimes. <laughs> no, no, you live in Vermont. I think you have to. <laughs> Aren't they what is... British? Yes, but they're Vermont music. I don't even like fish. No, fish is terrible. Right, but that's Vermont music. <laughs> oh yeah, well maybe so. I like Ugh. Bruno Mars. Oh, that's Hawaii <laughs> music. There you go. Technically. Get you wrong. State's all mixed up here, people. <laughs> um, anyway, Dustin says watch Sweet Tooth. I also say watch That's Sweet right. Tooth. Tori says don't watch it uh, if you have emotions. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> or she's or, not going to. She's worried. Oh, watch worried. that. If Watch it if you enjoy emotions. Mm. Tori does not. I which think, is why she likes Lizzie's story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just really setting up a dichotomy here. <laughs> oh, wow, we did it, guys. We did it. We did it. Um, Tori, congratulations on your first episode as managing editor, um, which I'm sure feels you, good. I'm sure you feel very different. It's yeah. I mean, the world feels different from here. Yeah. Um, more capable. <laughs> Uh, well, we'll be back next week. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk Loki. Uh, we're definitely mm. going to talk hacks um, and other things, no doubt. Um, yeah, I don't. Do you guys have anything else to say before we sign off? I got nothing. Mm-mm. I'm empty. All right, um, and so is my uh, wine bottle. So that's how you know it's been a good night. Uh, <laughs> and off of that, have a good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. Or good day. Or, yeah, good morning. Oh, God. Enjoy your walk. What if it's a nice afternoon? Oh, yeah, that's right. All this is singing.
Um, do we need to talk hacks? I'm not sure if we do. I'm just... I think that we should hold off because it's going to... I mean, it was a really good episode. Yeah. Um, but, but it's like, we're going to talk about it next week. week. Yeah. Right. So, so I feel like we do the last run. Yeah. If, like, okay. if we want to bring up the... I'm Although I will say, I, I loved the comedy shop or whatever, like the, the stand-up oh, episode. Yeah. Where um, she, like, where she buys out the Buys off the, the, the sexist asshole. guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, I liked a lot of what they're doing, but I also, like, the way, like, they you just see these two women bonding so much. Mm-hmm. And the, and then they show the preview, like, where they left it for, like, the last two episodes. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is going to get so bad. Yeah. I'm really worried about it. Like, I'm excited, but I'm very worried about yeah the finale. Me too. I also really like that the... I, I don't know the guy. I mean, I know he's a comedian, but the guy who played that sexist comedian, uh, he was really good. Like, that, yeah. that flicker in, like, his face where he's like, wait am I really going to do this? But like, I actually do like performing even if I'm not good. Yeah. <laughs> and like, he was like, what can I do a podcast? Like, no, no. Like you need to never <laughs> be on any sort of public stage again. Like, yeah. <laughs> Cause that's definitely like, there are a lot of, I, I, I've probably met many of those comedians who are like, they're not good at it, but like they're good enough to be, okay like to be in that kind of like that level right but also as much as like they would love to sell out they do actually love it even though they're not that good (laughs) but also is it that they love the craft or they love the attention i think they love I, i mean i think they love the attention but i think that i think that there is a part of them that like as bad as they are at it they do kind of like need it the way that other like quote unquote real comedians need it Right. Um, like they don't, they don't need it in the way of like crafting a great joke, but they need it in the way of like, they need that outlet. They need that attention somehow. Um, yeah. It's just that it manifests in a terrible way. In a horrible, horrible way. Yeah. But I also, I liked, I mean, so much of the show and I, sh- it should, it just barely walks the line between being like too on the nose mm-hmm. and being like. I, I just, I like the balance of it where they yeah. kind of present both viewpoints without invalidating one of them. Right. It's like both characters have their say, and some of it is very sort of like they become talking heads for two entire, for two generations of opinion as opposed to, and but they still kind of tie it to like, no, these are fully formed characters saying this. Right, um, right. Even if it does sometimes start to feel like, uh, like an online think piece. Right. Um, you know, but it's, they're able to, to de- kind of delve into these issues without... Yeah, without, like, you never really have a victor, but you also never have, you're not invalidating one. It's not like, oh, the old way was bad, or like, you know, you should have stood up then. It's, you know, like, Ava is right, and Deborah is right. Right. Like, I I really, and so many of their interactions come off that way. Mm -hmm. Like, they each have a valid point. It's okay. (laughs) Life is complicated. It's... It's also kind of sometimes feels like that thing where we're so used to saying both sides is, you know, it's like the weak thing. Like you need to like both sides is terrible. They're like right. anathema. And it's right. like, no, sometimes it's, that's just nuance. Right. <laughs> right. That's the problem is that, is that we, we've, we've come to a place where both sides automatically means, you know, you're 
um, you're not taking a stand versus right. like this situations like this where it's like, no, it's not that easy and it's not Some, that simple. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. at the micro level, at the individual level. So Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. Um, although I did have a thought that maybe I'll just take this like two minutes and then make that the bonus track <laughs> that we've never done. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we'll the see. hex conversation that we were supposed to save for last week, but we then talked about it anyway this week. Yeah. And we'll say um, it all again next week. Yeah. But it'll just be like the episode will be 15 minutes longer for no reason because it'll be 14 minutes of silence and then that. But um, you have to include this bit where you're talking about how you're going to. Oh, yeah. No, this, this is yeah. the actual ending of that. Um, but, Excellent. Uh, <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>